Well, welcome to Round the Table Live with Christian Gasser. And today we are talking with Matthew Greck, who has been prosecuted, arrested, and charged for sharing his ex-gay testimony in Malta. Um, Matthew, great to have you with us. And I'm joined as well um, by Karis Mosley, um, our policy researcher, specialist on this issue at Christian Concern. Great to see you as well, um, Karis. So Matthew, listen, your story is kind of shocking. Um, it's kind of unbelievable. It's kind of like people are like, wow, is that really the case? You know, um, y you have been arrested and you are being charged. You're going to court soon uh, for sharing your own personal story of what happened in your life. Just can you, please, can you explain what happened to you, Matthew? <clears throat> Certainly. Thank you, Christian Concern, Tim, Karis, and everyone for having me. Um, so what happened is that um, <clears throat> at one point, um, well, it was in April 2022 that I was invited by a, a local liberal free speech platform to share my story, having left homosexuality as a Christian. Was and, it a radio, uh, a radio station? It was um, like a Facebook uh, program on their Facebook page that okay. I think is streamed also on their website. So it's kind of yeah. like a live stream on Facebook and, and yeah, okay, but like we're doing yeah. now. It was a, right, yeah. It was a small platform, um, has maybe a, a few hundred likes, etc. And, um, anyway, I wanted to support it because you know it had a, a significant uh, message, I thought. And, um, they were interested in things like counseling, uh, they wanted to explore the subject a bit more because, frankly, it's quite uh complicated for the ordinary person to understand. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to explore different sides of the story as well, not just the same LGBT indoctrination, but they wanted to understand, uh, you know, what would prompt somebody like me to leave or want to leave homosexuality. So right. it was a very scientific, uh, practical, spiritual conversation that I think brought a lot to the table. And um, really... Uh, a, a few weeks after, um, I am rung by the police. So how, long, how long was the interview? How long was the interview, Matthew? It went on for about uh, one hour and a half, almost two hours, because generally when I give an interview, people have a lot of questions. They're interested. They want to ask more, okay. know more. Yeah, okay. So it goes on. Uh, it tends yeah. to go on. Um, yeah. So I get rung by the police and I'm told, uh, you know, that... Three people reported me to the police claiming that I was advertising so-called conversion practices. And it took me by surprise because i it's not the first time that I spoke out in my country. And never did I have this level of response. Although I had threats before or people making false accusations in public, um, people from the Malta gay rights movement making false accusations about me. That has happened before. And then making indirect comments saying well if you if you receive any video testimony make sure that you report it to the police because it's illegal in malta etc so there's been intimidation coming from the malta gay rights movement before but yeah. this seems to have escalated so um i presented myself to the police station uh, i was given the names of the people who reported me um to the police but not just me they also reported the two hosts of the program, who, by the way, did not agree with me on every single thing that I said. Um, but they still, uh, you know, 
reported them because they felt like these hosts provided a platform uh, and and created an advert on conversion practices by by inviting me to speak kind of thing so three of us are co-accused i personally exercised my right to be silent um but the the police inspector never uh interviewed me i was told it could be that the police inspector would interview you but that never happened um i i am told later on that the police decided to press charges against the three of us and uh, here we are now um you know with a criminal case so um Karis, i want to come back to you matthew because i've got a lot of questions as well about that right but Karis, what does the law say in malta about conversion therapy because they because we haven't got a, yeah the government here announced they're gonna they're going to ban it okay what's the what's the state of this, the situation in malta Okay, so what's interesting with the law, all these laws internationally have different titles and, and nuances, but Maltese was really the first in Europe, and it was passed um, after Britain voted to leave the EU in 2016, December. The title of the law is Affirmation of Sexual Orientation, Gender Identity and Gender Expression Act, which sounds extremely positive, and its, its subtitle is to affirm that all persons have a sexual orientation, a gender identity and a gender expression, and that no particular combination of these three characteristics constitutes a disorder, disease, illness, deficiency, disability and or shortcoming. So you'd think that that would protect ex-gays or people who feel they're moving from one to the other. And, and then it goes on to say, and to prohibit conversion practices as a deceptive and harmful act or interventions against a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, and or gender expression. Okay, so that sounds really good, doesn't it? Um, so, but, but it's the main, it's in the main body of the, the act, um, which it says, conversion practices defines them as any treatment, practice, or sustained effort that aims to change, repress, and or eliminate a person's sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression. Okay, so that wording is used in different countries as well. And I imagine that we might get uh, something like that for England and Wales and indeed Scotland and Northern Ireland. But such practices are said in Malta not to include um, any services or interventions relating to exploration and free development of a person and or affirmation of one's identity. Okay, um, through counselling, psychotherapy or similar services. Any healthcare service related to this and any healthcare um, service related to mental disorder. So already it's been narrowed, they, there's a claim in the law of Malta that free exploration, which you wouldn't think means free discussion, is still allowed in mental health. Um, but at the same time, it does prohibit advertising in, in one place. Okay, so further on in the law, uh, and this is what Matthews, they've brought against Matthew, it shall be unlawful for any person to advertise conversion practices, okay? Right. And there's nothing there about the press. So I think it's very important. What I see, and I, I saw this coming really, is I think the definition of advertising is being played around with by those who brought the case. And there's a history of that, of insinuations. Yes, this, is, um, this is going back to you, Matthew, right? You weren't paying this platform to advertise something um, am I right? Oh, um, yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so it's not an advert in that sense. Also, 
you weren't pointing people to any particular, you know, to say go and have therapy, were you? As far as I understand, is that correct? Uh, no, and I, I wouldn't have an interest in that because my story actually does not include me going to um, counseling sessions or seeking right. that in any way. So I wouldn't naturally be passionate about that. Uh, I'm more maybe the the type of person who's passionate about preaching the word of God, the gospel, and uh, the transforming. So they, they asked you. So they asked you your story about why you left homosexuality, which I want to come to in a minute. And you just told your story, which didn't involve therapy. And yeah. now you're being prosecuted for advertising conversion therapy. Although it's interesting, Karis, that it's called conversion practices, isn't it? Kind of like in the law in Malta, which yeah. is a deliberate thing to sort of broaden it away from professional yes. professional therapy, do you think? Is that right, Karis? Yes, it is. And it's man many people don't realise that it's manipulative. Many people think that's just a correction to say, oh, you're really protecting good therapy, when obviously this has got to do with conversation and debate. Yeah, yeah. So, and by the way, if you've got questions um, to ask Karis or, or Matthew today and you're watching live, we, we can see your comments on Facebook and YouTube, so ask away. But Matthew, just so in outline, what is your story about leaving homosexuality? Um, how and why did you do that? Yeah, so um, I was actually, um, it was in London that I, I came to faith in Christ. Um, right. A woman preached the gospel to me, and I came into a church scenario where people were worshipping in spirit and in truth, and I was hooked, and I gave my life to Jesus. I started reading the Bible. When I was this? When was this? Uh, this was um, almost, I think, 13 years ago, in around 2019. Okay. Sorry, sorry, 2009. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, 2019 is only about four years ago. Yeah, okay. Yes. Yep. And so, um, yeah, and no, I had never heard homosexuality, um, well, uh, uh, being discussed on, on the pulpit. So it was a very personal relationship that I had with the Word of God. And I was reading Paul's uh, writings about um, homosexuality in 1 Corinthians and Romans. And I was quite shocked and I said so am I the homosexual that is described here because for me it feels pretty natural like I feel it in my body it's kind of uh, part of who I am that's how I thought but I, I wasn't sure so I started praying intensely about it and seeking God and saying Lord I would do anything it takes to follow you I don't want to deceive myself I want to make sure that I am at peace with you I really wanted to please God and so um I studied these scriptures. Yeah, go on, you come. I studied these scriptures and I found out that there's a difference between homosexuality as a practice and then the same sex attraction. And I understood that God loves me, but he hates the homosexual act because it's sinful, it's against his design. So when I understood that, all of a sudden it clicked. I said, So if I stop practicing homosexuality, God does not see me as a homosexual, and neither would he call me gay. And I felt this hope uh, born inside of me for the first time and heaviness. I felt this heaviness, this weight lift off my body because I understood that I could be set free from this false identity about myself. Um, yeah. my, I never wanted to be a homosexual or to, to think of myself as one. In fact, I hid it from my entire family. I was not comfortable with this identity. Right. 
Um, and so the word of God in the Bible gave me hope to be the man that I always wanted to be. And that's why as the, the word of God brought me joy. It brought me hope. It was not a burden for me. It was yeah. not like, oh, you know, I have to enslave myself and not follow these desires. It brought me joy and hope. And uh, I said, wow, so I never, ever need to face my family to tell them, mom, dad, I am gay. That's the day I dreaded. Like, I didn't want that. And so now this was a huge, like, it was a big deal for me. So that's when I understood that I, I repented from my homosexual relationship that I was in because I was in a relationship with a man. And uh, when I quit that, I was so at peace within myself and with God. And my mental health was better. My spiritual health was better. And here I am to this day. I'm loving it. And I'm, and I, I, I'm open to getting married to the woman that God has for me. And it's, been a, it's not been an easy journey for me, you know. But um, I've, I've been learning so much. And it's definitely something I don't regret. And I would never go back to homosexuality in my life because what Jesus gave me is better. Fantastic story, Matthew. And um, the interesting thing about that is that nobody else was involved. It was just you and the Bible and God, wasn't it? I mean, that, that was it. So so nobody can be accused of sort of some conversion therapy or practice um, in terms of you changing and moving away from homosexuality, can they? Um, so how come they consider, you know, that's the story presumably you shared with this and on this platform, just that kind of story. How can that? How can you be accused of advertising conversion practices for just telling your own story like that? Right. It's worth saying that um, the hosts of the program introduced me uh, as some local represent representative of um, a, an organization that right. um, I am associated with, and mm -hmm. and so I think that triggered something for our opponents. Uh, because it happens to be an organization um, that uh, supports and, and loves men and women who are leaving or have left LGBT and, and supports them. Uh, and so that, I think, definitely did something. But also the fact that counseling was mentioned because these journalists, these hosts had genuine questions. And I think it's only fair, you know, if we're living under the context of a conversion therapy ban, aren't citizens allowed to understand what it's all about? Aren't mm. they allowed to have a discussion about it? What, what have mm. we come to? Mm. So um, I think it's it's a combination of all these things, you know, that we were genuinely discussing a, a, a storyline, a narrative that is opposite to what LGBT stand for. And I think they felt very... Um, tormented by it they felt very uh, insecure and uh, they decided and it's worth saying that I, I believe that two of the people who reported me to the police actually all three of them the three people who reported me to the police have direct links with the Malta gay rights movement and the government as well have held in the past and still hold government positions and some on an EU level so this is what it, we're facing here. Um, and that's my belief, you know, um, because I have the names and I'm able to do my own research with my team. And um, so this is a this is a fight. Wow. And, when, and what is the next stage? Uh, yeah, when is this coming to court then, Matthew? 
Um, it's ex so I'm expected to appear before the uh, court of magistrates, which is a court of criminal uh, jud judicature, on the third of February uh, around noon for my uh, first hearing. These are called summary proceedings in Malta, so it could all happen and be dealt with in one day, or it could maybe be deferred. I don't know, but uh, it's my first experience. I never, uh, I've never been in a courtroom before, <laughs> so I'm quite a, a law-abiding citizen. Praise God. So that's next week. Next week. It is. Um, next. So, Karis, what is the significance of this case? Um, yeah, for Malta and for internationally as well. Well, it's the first ever um, case of um, under any um, conversion therapy or practices ban. Um, and, that, and it's important because sometimes governments pass laws and they're, they're actually not truly intended to have people sent to court. It's more like an intimidation tactic or an attempt to change culture. And I think there's obviously there's been a big element of that with these bans. But um, it was obvious from the beginning when we first came across Matthew being attacked by his government and others in 2018, that there was really an intention to use, to trap him through this claim that he was somehow advertising by merely talking. So it's also, I think it's an it's an attempt to make sure that this law is actually working. I think that in Malta, those who are coming against him are very cross that he's been interviewed so much. Um, you know, journalists um, across the board have been interviewing you since 2018. Um, and, and and you've managed to have relatively free discussions on, on a lot of these issues. Um, and so I'm seeing one, one activist in particular um, has kind of almost insinuated that the law was being broken by those journalists. I think not, actually, because it's not really about the press. But they're trying to make it an issue about the press protecting the public from harm. And I think that's also relevant for us in Britain because um, our government has it's trying to pass the online safety bill. Uh, and there's been all kinds of debates about whether that would um, allow big tech companies to um, es essentially censor what they call harmful, legal but harmful content. Content that even adults, you know, would be supposedly harmful to adults, but that we shouldn't be allowed to see. And so that means an anything, you know, Christian that stands out from the current secular consensus um, could be at risk. You know, it's very hard, easy to say something's harmful if you don't agree with it or if you feel hurt by it. But being feeling hurt or offended and actually objectively being harmed are two different things. So there's the angle of um, the, the international issue of online free speech. There's, you know, offline as well. Um, press freedom because, you know, the, there's charges are being pressed against the journalists. Mm. I think that's extraordinary. And also got to remember that in Malta, there's a lot of anxiety about press freedom because there was a journalist, a well-known journalist, who was assassinated there a few years ago. And interestingly, she had um, criticised in passing the conversion practices ban in Malta, not because she cared for the topic, but she thought it was deflecting from other problems the government had. So, Matthew, just um, remind us, because Karis referred to what happened in 2018, with you, because you got a bit of profile in the media back then, didn't you? Uh, it's true. In 2018, um, I shared my, uh, well, a brief version of my testimony on X Factor Malta. I said that I stand for biblical marriage between one man and one woman, that I left homosexuality to pursue Jesus, that I found happiness doing that, and joy. And um, it, 
apparently was controversial in my country. Uh, the Minister of Equality at the time, Helena Dalli, had a go at the National Broadcasting um, Authority to say, I don't agree that his comment should have been aired. Why did you do that? And I had emailed her personally and she responded saying, my issue is not with you. My issue with is with Television Malta. And she left it at that. So, um, yeah, some people came to my defense, though. The former finance minister, uh, uh, his name is Tonio. He, um, he stood with me. Also, Ivan Grekmintov, who is the nephew of Malta's former prime minister, stood with me as well. Of course, my church at River of Love in Malta uh, very much was supportive. But there was a lot of um, hostility, even on uh, uh, social media comments. Uh, X Factor Malta couldn't keep up with the hatred. They had to disable the comments because there was so much hatred going on. They, they were not able to moderate all the comments. Um, and so... Yeah, it was it was intense. And before that was aired, I had a meeting with the um, with the manager, uh, the, the producer of Expector Malta. He said, Matthew, there, I don't feel there's anything wrong with this testimony, your story being aired, because I think you have every right to say what you want to say. Those were his words before that was aired. After it was aired, they released the public apology because of external pressure. Even my interview, my sing, sorry, my singing audition was initially taken down because of external pressure. And that for me was quite disappointing because I thought, well, not only my story, but also my talent, you know, um, as a singer, you, wanna, you, you don't want that to be platformed either. You know, it felt like a complete rejection of not just my story as a person, but also anything that I can bring to the world, anything that I can mm. offer to the world. So it was intense. So this, so the interview you did last year for which you're being prosecuted is, is very far from being the first time you shared this kind of story in the media. You've done it lots of times in Malta, is that right? Yes, it's true. I, I had opportunities to to share it on, on, on Malta's top TV stations, really, on, on Sharabang, which is a... a which was at the time the most popular um, uh, television uh, program. Now it has been taken down, I guess, because it was exploring a lot of uh, subjects very freely and they stand for free speech, etc. And now uh, things are becoming stricter on the media and press in general in my country. But yes, I had many opportunities um, to also debate with, for instance, the Malta Pride um, March director at one point. I did have an interview uh, where we were both questioned together and that interview was never aired. I could never find it because I felt like I, you know, I really exposed a lot of things during that interview and they decided never to show that. And I thought that's odd. Um, I also was interviewed with Gabby Kalea, who is a, a top LGBT activist in Malta, who has, is influential in her work. And uh, that's still online for people to see. Um, so, yeah, I'm very thankful that uh, uh, there was a lot of interest from people. But I think what if I evaluate the last 12 months, I would say it's gone really, really silent. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's because of this context that we're in under this conversion therapy ban and people trying to sow fear and intimidation. 
I'm, I'm seeing less and less people wanting to explore the subject out of fear. And uh, that is my concern. Well, presumably, particularly since you, and not just you, but the, the uh, journalists involved who interviewed you, have all now been prosecuted. Absolutely, yeah. That That is just not going to help the, the culture. Very intimidating thing for any journalist. A very uh -huh. intimidating thing for any journalist. Think, well, maybe we'll talk to Matthew. Maybe, maybe not, if I don't want to worry about potentially getting prosecuted. I mean, you know, it's, it's going to intimidate people into never inviting someone like you to talk about your story because gosh you know even if you get cleared i don't want to get prosecuted precisely precisely yes um yeah it's it is really uh now a freedom of speech issue it's almost like the government has to choose between freedom of speech and freedom of religion and uh the government is at crossroads now mm. um and karis what um what about the read across to the UK? Is there a read across to the UK for this as we sort of, the government announced, was it last week that they're going to bring out a conversion therapy, new law banning conversion therapy, whatever that means? Um, so the government is going to put, so before the government actually said they'll bring a brand, there was actually a proposed amendment on advertising conversion practices to our online safety bill. And that's important that people know that. It was an MP here called Alicia Kearns, who was a leading light in the campaign for a ban. She's a young Conservative MP. She's also the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee of the House of Commons, which I think is very relevant because she's obviously going to have international connections. So who knows whether she's talking to the Maltese government? Anyway, and so she brought an, an amendment that was very similar to what the law currently says in Malta. But um, she was persuaded to drop that amendment by the government. The government said, we will bring our bill forward um, because they've said they will and they keep on not publishing it. And they have said um, that they will bring it into what they call a pre-legislative scrutiny committee so that people will be able to continue writing to that committee and lobbying for amendments. They want to bring a full ban on, on uh, therapy or practices in sexual orientation and gender identity. And so already people are targeting the issue of gender identity because we have a big debate on children and gender clinics in Britain. But my fear about what they'll do in Britain is, and the government itself has said, well, the issues around gender identity are much more complex than around same-sex sexual orientation. And I don't think that's true. I think they're both equally complex, as we have seen, um, in at least when they're discussed, even only in the press. Well, think how complex it would be for the law to try and police what goes on with counsellors, therapists, pastors and so on um so uh, and now of course we're getting the pushback from all sides from parents from people concerned about teachers and now clergy as well because the government promised to protect parents teachers social workers and so on but not clergy so um it's difficult to know what's going on in in britain it is is it that the that the government has decided we'll just publish and be damned we, we'll just Mm -hmm. put it out there and it can be debated and, and uh, rearranged, if you like, um, through the parliamentary process. And the danger of that is that public opinion is much more concerned about children with gender identity problems than it is about the core issue of how all these bans came to be in the to begin with, which is cases like Matthew's case. Um, there's not enough public interest or awareness or sympathy, I think, um, yes, we've done our very best to profile uh, these people, 
Um, but so it's hard to predict what will happen. But that's the situation as I, I see it now. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that um, there's a few interesting points on that. One is that whatever bill the government brings forward, presumably this MP will try and bring a ban of advertising into it, amend it in some way to ban advertising as well. I um, think so. Yeah. I think I think anything could happen. Yes. Yeah. But on the other hand, I do think I'm somewhat encouraged that more and more people are seeing the free speech issues of this and the concerns about it here in the UK. Like the Free Speech Union is now saying, write to all your MPs, for example, and, and tell them not to support any new law on, on uh, coercion therapy. Um, I so think I think you know, a wider a wider cohort of people are starting to be concerned about it, not not just Christians, so to speak. This is true, but you have still got to see whether they're concerned about the same sex issues for adults. Uh, I think, um, you know... Um, As opposed to just trans, you mean? Yeah, I, right. I think it's all very last minute for some. And that's always happens, of course. There's, there's a small cohort of people who've been very interested in the issue for many years. I know Christian Concern has done this for 12, 13 years. And um, when, when it was un completely even more unpopular. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I would, yeah. I, I just think that um, it's very important that people continue to see the free speech and freedom of the press angle. This is where international comparisons with Malta, for example, are so important for us to learn from. Yeah, very good. So, Matthew, um, how long has this law been in place in Malta now and how have the churches responded to it? Um, good question. Um, it's uh, been enforced since 2016. And... Um, before it came into force, at the time, I remember us having meetings with the legislators to understand how the law would affect churches. And um, at the time, I don't think we, are, we properly understood the, uh, and saw the value in protecting professionals as well, not just protecting ourselves as churches, but professionals as well, and their right to, um, to offer free, um, a, a, you know, professional advice that presents uh, all the options to their clients etc so yeah. um, anyway I, I think there was uh, cooperation and and pastors did come together to the best of their ability but um, as a as a church I remember us also a few ex-LGBT folks came into that meeting we presented our story you know we, we showed ourselves and and we show, we showed that we were a community. Um, a, a valid minority as well. Um, but yeah, since it came into force, I think it's people's interpretation that's the problem. Most people don't understand what conversion therapy is, what it means, it's too complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's the challenge that there is, you know, mm -hmm. at first coming up with a very complicated term and then creating a culture where people can discuss this. And so it's it's very strange and bizarre. And it's almost like people don't know what they can say, what they can't say. People like to play safe now. And um, and also the LGBT lobby is becoming more abusive, more abusive. If you say this, we'll do that. There's a lot of uh, threatening that happens under a conversion therapy ban. Um, right. So so it is an abusive law. It is. Um and it's very hostile. How many people have been prosecuted under the law for engaging in practices, therapy or practices or anything like that? We we don't know of any. And right. it, the timing of this is also strange because in Malta this year, we're expecting 
uh, Euro Pride to come into Malta. So it's like right. uh, the creme the, de la creme of LGBT is, is going to be imported and brought into Malta around September, the time of, of the gay pride march, etc. Um, so it is the timing of it is very strange. And under this ban, my concern uh, is that this ban aims to outlaw pastoral care. It aims to outlaw prayer even, because mm. in Malta we talk mm. about practices, not just therapy. So mm. it's a wider term, isn't it? And um, my concern as well is that um, what is being outlawed is also parental guidance and offering advice to your children as a parent relating mm. to sexual orientation or yeah, gender yeah. identity or gender expression. That for mm. me is concerning because yeah. I feel like the parents' rights are being stripped away and they're not realizing it. They have no idea this is happening. And it's almost like creating this culture of children rebelling against parents. If you try to tell me what is right and wrong, I'll report mm -hmm. you to the police because you can't do that under this ban. So that is that is alarming. And in some ways, now that you have been reported to the police and indeed your um, inter your interviews as well, um, it just shows what they can do. Any conversation could potentially be reported to the police. I mean, you know, and... Um, yeah, it's like Karis said that the law is sort of perhaps not there to necessarily enforce, but to threaten. And but then activists will use it to to threaten. I think it's important to also to say that um, the Maltese government wants to stretch the meaning of advertising now and the timing of that. You're talking about timing, Matthew. That was earlier this month, and that was soon after this amendment came in in Britain to the Animal Safety Bill. So here's the definition, and this might well influence parents and others. Advertising is now going to be defined. Um, they, so they haven't published their amendment to the law, but they've published a press release with the definition. Publishing, advertising, displaying, distributing, referral and circulation of any material promoting the practice of conversion therapy. That's an awful lot of things. And it can include, you know, any conversations, sharing things on social media, even privately. You know, it's a it's a big, big issue. Um when, I still don't get how Matthew's own story would violate even that new definition, Karis, because he wasn't actually advocating a practice, unless you're saying reading the Bible is a practice. Is reading the Bible conversion therapy? But the thing is, it depends on how people want to define it, doesn't it? I, I just think that this is such a big... Why do they need... They, it's obvious that they want to stretch the definition of advertising because they've not been able to catch him so far. You get to the real heart of it here, don't you? I mean, my goodness, I mean, that is now like you can't read the Bible because you might convert somebody. Right. So let me tell you that the Minister for Social Reform, is it Matthew Rebecca Buttigieg, who um, said that they would bring forth this amendment. She was on film, wasn't she, saying that your church promotes hate. Mm -hmm. So teaching faithfully from the Bible is hate for this woman. And 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 therefore, you know, she means conversion practices, probably. You know, I mean, you know, they will just stretch the definition to suit themselves. Absolutely, I think to understand that. Yeah. It, I agree with you, uh, Karis, and what you're saying, Tim. This could really criminalize the church teaching about God's creation of the human person as male and yeah. female, and the meaning of sex within marriage. And anyone who proposes this teaching to someone with same-sex attraction or gender identity issues would face sanctions it's it's bad and uh, because and the thing the is in malta the other is also the issue of gender identity and how that's also in the maltese constitution as a right 
And, and so what that's undermining the definition of sex and, and creation. And you've had some of the Maltese government ministers like Helena Daly, who um, had originally come against Matthew in 2018. She, she trots out this trans rights philosophy that these are natural variances in human nature. You know, that, that's like saying it's in creation. Is X gay one of these characteristics that's protected there or not? Well, um, obviously, I think there's a big question over that, isn't there? Yes, I think I think um, if every sexual orientation and is is protected according to this uh, chapter five six seven law, and and nothing should be seen as a defect or whatever, then certainly that should include heterosexuality. And so, if I identify as a heterosexual, um, then that should be protected, and nobody should see. Um, you know, my I identity as a as a heterosexual as something to be uh, ridiculed. And so I think there is tremendous potential in this argument. This one could argue that what is being done is heterophobic. If we're going to start using homophobia, <laughs> you know, what about heterophobia? <laughs> Heterophobic laws. Well, and, and so just, you know, as we are constant time here now, Matthew, but... Um, what would you say to Christians in the UK now as the government's planning to outlaw conversion therapy? What would be your, your wisdom or your exhortation? Right, yes. I think um, this is, now is the time to, to proclaim the truth out loud. Now is the time for men and women who, who have left LGBT to speak up, to share their testimonies and to do so uh, boldly, boldly to be filled with the Holy Spirit because this um, this law will create. Oh, th this is a must stay gay or a must stay transgender law. It's almost like those who came out of the closet want now to put us in the closet, and it's the exact opposite of live and let live. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we might not have chosen our feelings, but we have choices around them, and that's the whole point of the gospel. This is not just about homosexuality. This is the whole gospel. You know, it's it, it, it touches on adultery, on jealousy, on wrath, on, on strife, on gossip. You know, we have a, a human nature that is tilted towards sin and the gospel offers hope and freedom and eternal life. And so nobody can claim that the gospel is harmful, that the gospel torments people because it simply because it warns them about eternal damnation but offers them hope in Jesus Christ for eternal life the gospel is not harmful the lgbt lobby's message is harmful it causes people to cut off body their sexual parts um it, it indoctrinates children from a young age and grooms them um and it takes uh, rights away from parents, the LGBT lobby's message is harmful. And therefore, we have every reason to hold our head up high and to proclaim the gospel at every cost. That's my encouragement to you all. The Lord is with us and he is expecting us to be bold, to be a, a city on a hill, to shine for everybody to see it. That's what we're called to be. So be encouraged. God is with us. Amen. And and uh, we will be praying for you, Matthew, next week. And um, I understand some of our lawyers from the Christian Legal Centre are helping you um, in that case. So, yeah, we're supporting you as much as we possibly can. And I'm very much hoping and praying that you get cleared on this and that, uh, and that that is a powerful witness and that uh, 
speaking the Bible and talking about the Bible is never outlawed um, in this kind of way and never criminalized in this kind of way uh, in Malta or in the UK, of course. Um, any final words from you, Karis? I think that, you know, we face similar uh, possibilities in this country eventually. I think Christians need to look first as to what is the will of God because they keep on being self-protective. Now, obviously, it's not wrong to take practical steps to protect ourselves, but it's about priorities. Um, you know, a lot of people have been silent who could have spoken and had platforms, lots of clergy. And yes, we have now more recently been seeing them speak. Um, but to we've got to come together to be strategic, to yeah. pray together, be united, yeah. um, and to discern not just the will of God, the, but the picture, the vision of God for humanity. Mm. And that is long term what's, what's our hope. With, without that, we'll just keep on running away from the issues, getting frightened by intimidation tactics. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I can see that my colleagues have put out the link there to read a bit more about Matthew's story. And um, I know that there's a link on that page as well to read the full transcript of the interview that um, he had that he's now been prosecuted for. So you can see for yourself, did he do anything wrong in telling this story? And should he be prosecuted? And furthermore, should he be sent to prison, which is the, the risk that Matthew is facing at this point? Um, so listen, we will pray for Matthew. We'll support him as best we possibly can every way. And we love you, Matthew. I really appreciate your boldness you and your excitation and challenge to us as well. And we pray as well that our Lord does not get past here in the UK um, along these lines. So thank yeah. you very much for joining us, Matthew. Thank you, Karis, as well. Thank you for those of you watching and listening. Hope you find that interesting. Do uh, follow us on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter and get sign up for our emails, christianstone.com forward slash hello and i look forward to joining you again next week thank you very much goodbye